Welcome to Oncology Data Advisor. I'm Kira Smith. Today I'm joined by Dr. Shaji Kumar, a professor of hematological malignancies at the Mayo Clinic Cancer Center. Dr. Kumar, thank you so much for joining me today. So since the ASH annual meeting just happened recently, would you like to tell us about the abstracts that you presented there? So one of the abstracts that we have presented was on the long-term follow-up of the MySTD, that is a phase three trial looking at uh, the impact of adding teratimumab to lenalidomidexamethasone for patients who are not eligible to undergo stem cell transplant. Um, we have longer follow-up um, of about little over five years now and shows consistent benefit in terms of overall survival and progression-free survival. Um, so the addition of teratimumab um, with the longer-term follow-up does not seem to show any new risks. There's clearly increased risk of infections uh, with the three-drug combination compared to the two, particularly pneumonia. In terms of efficacy, we do see a higher response rate. We also see deeper responses with MRD rates, which are about three times uh, what we see in the Lendex group, uh, which obviously has translated to a median PFS of more than five years, which is one of the longest we have seen uh, in the setting of transplant ineligible patient population. So there was data from the Ascentral, which is again a phase two trial looking at the impact of um, intense um, limited duration therapy in patients with high-risk monitoring myeloma. So the existing data support the use of um, lenalidomide or lenalidomide dexamethasone as treatment for high-risk monitoring based on data from phase three trials. Uh, here, um, this is one of a series of trials that have been done across uh, different, uh, by different investigators that, are, that is trying to ask the question, can we give more intense therapy, but for a shorter duration, uh, and try and cure some of these patients or at least provide really long-term uh, control of the uh, clone um, in patients with high-risk monitoring myeloma. So the Ascentral treated patients with high-risk monitoring as defined by the International Myeloma Working Group uh, criteria. Uh, those were high-risk um, and uh, treated them with carfilzomib, lenalidomide, teratimumab, and dexamethasone. The four drugs were given for 12 cycles and then uh, maintenance for one side, uh, one year with uh, two drugs, the uh, lenalidomide and teratimumab. What we found with the Ascentral was that this is a very effective combination. We get uh, a complete response of better in two thirds of the patients. Majority of those patients end up being bone marrow MRD negative as well. Um, we have seen very few progressions so far, only four out of the 87 patients. Um, and the um, uh, the pay, most of the uh, progressions, three out of the four progressions, were just biochemical alone. Um, the regimen was well tolerated. There were hematologic and non-hematological toxicities, but they could all be managed with those modifications. There were a few patients who went off study for a variety of different reasons, uh, including patient preference and adversaries. But overall, um, again, given that very few patients have progressed so far, I think um, uh, and the minimal residual disease negativity rates are pretty high with the three-drug combination and seems to be persistent. Certainly seems promising. Obviously, longer-term follow-up is needed before we know whether we are truly curing anybody with this approach. There was data looking at um, the uh, one of the arms from the MITRAC trial. So the MITRAC trial is a genomically-guided study that was um, that is being conducted through the Myeloma Research Foundation um, uh, in patients with functional high-risk multiple myeloma. So you have myeloma that is progressed within a uh, year, uh, year and a half or uh, three years if you have maintenance treatment, um, then those patients are considered uh, functionally high-risk. Those patients were then subjected to a uh, uh, sequencing of their bone marrow plasma cells to identify predominant mutations, and people with uh, specific mutations were then assigned 
to individual arms of the study using targeted agents specific for that mutation. But we also had an arm that looked at that enrolled patients who did not fit into any of the others by virtue of not having an actionable uh, mutation. So what we found uh, in the study um, was that uh, people with functionally high-risk multiple myeloma who were treated with the combination of teratimumab, uh, ixazomib, pomalidomide, and dexamethasone had a good overall response rate and also deep responses in a significant number of patients. We don't have longer-term data in terms of median PFS or overall survival, but certainly something that we would be looking forward to in the, in the year to come. Great. Thank you. As far as other um, abstracts that were presented, are there any that you think are the most uh, significant or the most practice-changing? Well, I don't think there's any one abstract that's practice-changing necessarily, but there's a lot of um, data that was presented across the spectrum of multiple myeloma, but they will all they will all have incremental um, effect on the field. Um, a lot of the questions were related to disease biology, spe specifically looking at single-cell approaches to understand the mechanisms of disease progression from precursor conditions to active myeloma, uh, some clinically relevant questions like whether in which patients do we need to do bone marrow if they have a diagnosis of um, monoclonal myopathy of undetermined significance. Um, this uh, was data presented by the uh, Iceland group, and they actually have a tool online that you can use to decide whether you want to do a bone marrow for your mugus patient whom you are seeing. Um, you know, otherwise, there were a lot of focus on high-risk multiple myeloma, there were uh, data from retrospective data as well as prospective clinical trial data looking at um, next-generation cortisone inhibitors uh, combined with monoclonal antibodies, uh, five-drug combinations for induction therapy followed by prolonged maintenance with two drugs. So all these approaches, again, um, we don't have a clear comparison for superiority of any one approach, but certainly in comparison to what we have seen with these high-risk patients in the past, these treatment approaches certainly appear to be of benefit. Uh, there were clearly um, some studies that were being done in the transplant ineligible patient population, um, particularly uh, a study that um, sought to decrease or eliminate the need for um, significant amount of steroids. Um, so they looked at deratimumab, lenalidomide, comparing it to, to lenalidomide and dexamethasone, and again showing that the steroid-free approach is still quite effective. Um, we also saw uh, data look, asking the question of um, autologous stem cell transplant in the older patient population using a reduced dose multiplan. Um, that trial did not show any significant benefit for transplant in any of these groups, um, bringing up the question whether we should be transplanting the older patients with multiple myeloma. We also saw data from some of the newer therapies, particularly the bispecific antibodies, um, targeting uh, both BCMA as well as other antigens like GPRC5D, and FCRH5. Um, we also saw data from um, the CAR T cells, particularly with respect to understanding the mechanisms of resistance and relapse in those patients after CAR T. Um, the, so the data uh, from a uh, Chinese trial looking at dual targeted CAR T, targeting CD19 and BCMA uh, in patients with newly diagnosed high risk multiple myeloma was, I think, quite informative. Obviously, small sample size, we need longer follow up, but certainly something that we would be looking out for. And then finally, there was also data from the European Myeloma Network looking at using teratimumab as a single agent in patients with light chain amyloidosis with stage 3b disease. And if you recollect, the stage 3b patients were excluded from the Andromeda trial. So this trial gives us a sense of how much teratimumab can do for these uh, really frail advanced um, light chain amyloid patients. 
Um, and I think the data is quite uh, interesting in that the in comparison to what we have seen with uh, historical data, um, we are seeing quick hematological responses as well as some organ response, all of which should translate to better outcomes for these patients. Awesome. Thank you so much for sharing all these really exciting updates today. Thank you for listening to Oncology Data Advisor. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast so you'll never miss an episode. In addition to our podcast, the Oncology Data Advisor site features expert perspectives and news stories on the latest in cancer research and treatments, all found at oncdata.com.